Hello everybody and welcome back to Steam and Steel, a podcast all about Heritage Railways and the people that work there. Now, today I am interviewing somebody very special. The person that actually inspired me to do this podcast and I cannot wait to speak to him. And that is Dan Fox from the podcast Signals to Danger. If you haven't checked out his podcast, please do. It is fantastic. I am hooked and I cannot stop listening. I must have listened to his episodes at least twice each. They are fantastic. So, let's dive straight into the episode and see what he has to say. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Dan. How are you? All right. Not too bad, mate. How about yourself? Oh, very good. Thank you for asking. I am honoured to have you on my podcast. Because... <laughs> You yourself is actually the inspiration for me doing this podcast, really. Well, I'm I'm very flattered to hear that. Where's well, the truth? For those of you who don't know, um, Dan does well. I'll let you explain. Tell everybody about it. Well, yes. Yeah, so my um my my recent folly over the last sort of six months or so has been to uh, write and produce my own podcast, um, a railway themed one called Signals to Danger, um, with the um. <laughs> Morbid and equally fascinating subject of <laughs> um, of railway accidents, uh, and in each episode we sort of unpick the the story of the accident and how it was investigated and the changes that made going forwards. It is fantastic as well. I cannot recommend everybody enough. So it's nice to speak to the man behind the podcast because normally I speak to him quite. Or normally I listen to him and it's quite morbid. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, I might I might say something that's a bit less. Uh, disastrous today i imagine <laughs> brilliant so tell everybody about yourself so i am um, i work on the railway in my day-to-day life it's not not a heritage one but i work for a train operating company um and i have a, a healthy interest in the industry that i work within um so the the podcast itself has been a hobby um for the last like i said six months or so but i've worked on the railway for about three and a half to four years in various different roles um, as a station team leader and I currently work as a group station manager. Oh, so it's equivalent to a station master then, is it? Or um, yeah, is so it if, in the, 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 the world of today where, where people, you know, it'd be lovely if every little station had their own proper station manager now, but they don't they don't tend to do that anymore. So my uh, my station mastering um, covers seven, seven <laughs> train stations. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So, so have you always been interested in trains then, or is it something that you've got into recently? Or I have, uh, well, as most little boys do at some point, I've always loved um, trains in one way or another. But my uh, my dad took me to, we, we, I grew up in the northeast, so quite close to York, within sort of an hour or so's drive. So needless yeah. to say, there was a lot of visits to the National Rail Museum as a, as a kid, and it stuck a little bit. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Fair place. So, so what inspired you to do the podcast then? Well, I have a morbid fascination, I guess. No, I um, I used to work in airports, and at that point, you you sort of hear people talking about things that have happened, and um, started watching a lot of uh, TV program called Air Crash Investigation, which I'm sure you've probably heard of at some point, and that is a yes. It is. It was a fascinating program where they go through and they don't just say 
the plane crashed because this engine broke. They go through in quite a bit of detail and unpick it. And I've always found that fascinating. Um, and then I realized that there was written versions of the reports that have a lot more detail in it. It sounds really dull, to be honest with you. If, you, if you're not interested, it's, you know, some, um, but the same thing you get in real. Um, and I stumbled across this as, as a continuation of that fascination. And I think the first one that really I got into reading was the report into the crash at Great Heck, um, which is just about the 20th anniversary of that now. Um, so that was in 2001. Yes, it will be, won't it? Wow, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal period. You know, that, that length of time has passed. Um, but that so that was the first report that I read in any real detail. And to, to go through and read that, and it's it's all well and good to read your news reports or your magazines or whatever that say that uh, Gary Hart fell asleep at the wheel of his Land Rover, crashed onto the railway line, that train hit his car, and then that hit another train. And that, that tells you what happened, but it doesn't tell you um, 45 minutes worth of a podcast about it. It's not that <laughs> level of detail. There's, there's things like um, the, the the critical placement of a points closure rail um, had such a yeah. massive effect on that accident. And you don't, until you get into the reports and read it in that detail, you find out a lot. But I realised that that's, to a man that's a little bit nerdy, like me, and likes a bit of a, a lengthy read, <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating, but it's not very digestible to other people. And I thought that the information in there is great and more people should know that, how these things have happened and the detail behind it. But to get someone to read a 115-page um, accident report or to try and read some of the older ones where they've been scanned in onto websites like um, the, the Railway Archive, um, some of them are quite hard to read just physically. But yeah. I um I decided that I was going to try and do something to to you know, disseminate that information in a uh, a more digestible fashion. And I did I toyed with the idea of a book, but didn't really get anywhere with that. And YouTube channel, but got bogged down in trying to build fancy graphics and things to go alongside with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I self-taught myself Blender. I was in, uh, hit film. I thought it was great. I'll play around with all these software, but. By the end of it, I'd spent two months learning how to make videos and not actually made a video. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dear. And yeah. it, was, it was the back end of last year. I was listening to some other podcasts and thought, hang about, this might actually work as a concept. And i tell you what it has. Fair dues. It's like um, it was fascinating because I'd heard about the, the crash of Great Eck, obviously being a rail enthusiast, mm. you hear about these things. But... I'd never knew, for example, that Gary Hart had only had 45 minutes sleep. Yeah. Um, and it's like, when you hear information like that, it is shocking. And I sort of <clears throat> try, I try, obviously, I try and, it's a factual podcast and it's 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 educational in a way, it's meant to be. Um, so you've, yeah. you've got to pull your punches sometimes in when you might have an opinion on, on someone. I know exactly what you mean. I think I was very thinly veiled on my opinions about Gary Hart and, and his <laughs> his ongoing lack of remorse, really. I mean, when years later when he did that interview and said that he, he believed it was fate that he was there on that day, and I think, well, actually, it was probably you should have had some better sleep and not driven your car when you shouldn't have. Um, I thought it was horrifically exactly. disrespectful to people, but never mind. It's, it, it's what he said. No, I know, yeah, and it's it's just like it's shocking, but it's it's I've been hooked on your podcast now, and it's like um, I've actually been watching that uh, a lot of um, uh, oh, is it 
Is it five minutes to danger or oh, 60 seconds? Seconds from disaster. Seconds from disaster, that's yeah. it. Um, and I've been hooked watching them now because of your podcast. It's like, oh, this is fascinating. There, there, there is an episode <laughs> of that which covers Paddington, which is a really good episode. And there's another one that covers the King's Crossfire, I believe. Oh, the King's Crossfire one was fantastic. That, I found that when they were going through the um, built the scale model to understand how the fire travelled up the escalator, I thought, well, that's the sort of stuff I like to get. That's why I do the podcast, because stuff like that is fascinating. And more people need to yeah, know about could... it. Totally agree because uh, they discovered that fire does a trenching effect, yes. doesn't it? That's yeah. how that's how the fire exploded pretty and much. And then you've got the superheated wooden escalator steps as well that are like a degree away from being ignited and suddenly straight up, and that's what caused that explosion and, of fire into the ticket hall. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> when you're watching yeah. it, you know, it's, and, it's like, um, and I'll be, I sometimes feel not bad, I sometimes feel like I get too excited about bad things if if you follow. Um, you know, yes, I know exactly what you mean. But yeah. it is, and it's uh, it's not not necessarily a morbid curiosity. But it is these are things that it's really important that as a as an industry we learn about and we understand how. Yes. And you know, I think you heard the um, there's a, there's an old line somewhere that the the rule book is written in blood, and it's found very dramatic, but it's it's true to a degree because there's so many things we don't <laughs> do for very specific reasons. And those reasons are that someone did it once and it went really badly wrong. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so I'm going to ask a very, it's not going to sound nice how I'm going to ask <laughs> this, but I think you'll get what I mean. What is your favourite inverted commas crash? I know that sounds no, really, know. really I, horrible. I, I, I think you know what I mean. I do. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and it's a, it's a challenging one. Because um, obviously it's not a, uh, I'm not going to have a t-shirt made up with it. It's not fit. I'm a fan of this crash because all of them are <laughs> true, truly tragic, and people's lives are irreparably changed or ended as a result of them. But some of them are really, truly very fascinating. Um, and I, well, I keep coming back to it. I think because some of the fascination has started with Great Heck, um, that is one of that's yes. one that's quite prominent in my mind. It's the reason why it was the first episode of the podcast. Because um, it was the one I right. was going to, uh, sort of to reading and understanding. But there's um, there's some really, really fascinating. There's ones I haven't covered yet that I'm going to cover on the podcast in the future that I'm sort of holding back on because they're so significant. Um, Clapham Junction. Okay. Clapham Junction is okay. really, really significant. There's there's massive changes in the, the the safety culture of the railway, the required periods of rest, and things like that. Um, Ladbroke Grove massively significant as well it's difficult to yep. pick a favorite in, in yeah unusual sense of the word favorite yes <laughs> i couldn't have put that better myself i'm really looking forward to the quintins hill episode yeah, and, I, and that one is going to be a good one as well that one is horrific purely on the scale um, I, I did a I did a line in the the Grey Rig episode where I'd said that sometimes the difference in fatalities is measured in triple figures, um, and triple digits. Is, yeah, it's right up there. It's, um, it's almost difficult to imagine that many people being involved in one train accident. Um, yeah, especially considering the aftermath yes, as well absolutely. of that. Oh, I don't want to give too much away, obviously, you know, at the moment, because it's, it's not no, fair, no, but I think you know what yeah, I mean I by that. Absolutely. And it's there are some that I'm I'm genuinely wondering whether 
one episode will be enough to cover them. Um, and I'm just, there are a couple in the future oh. that I'm wondering might be better done as two partners. That'll be interesting. We'll have to see. Um, it will. It will come down to me writing them because um, I get an idea of how long the episode is going to be by how long the script is, um, and they tend to be around about seven to eight thousand words long. Wow! Yes. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, and that, that's just because I I, yeah, I sort of I, I speak at a certain rate, but I like to. I like to write them down. I like to to have a script, and it's written organically. It's written in the way that I say it. I don't read it word for word, but having done all the research into the episodes, I want to make sure that I don't miss things. And for me, my way of working, my workflow is to have a script written. I then read out, um, but it does mean I can to keep track of it as to the the ridiculous amount of words that uh, that do sometimes end up in those things. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So have you thought, you know, obviously you, you work on the railway. Um, have you thought about actually going to work for the RAIB or anything? I have, like? I have said in the past that um, that would be a lovely place for my career to end up. Um, they, they tend to take people who have a lot of experience in the industry anyway. Uh, I'm relatively young and I'm relatively, compared to some people, I'm relatively wet behind the ears. Um, yes, I've got a bit of, knowledge based on my sort of hobby if you can call it this um yeah it's definitely a hobby but, uh, but no definitely there is there is a a potential end of career goal for me to to go to the RAIB and work for them i think i would find that really really fascinating my my current job has an element of accident investigation in it but it's more around the you know, if if there are accidents on the stations or things like that, I, I get involved in that yeah, stuff, yeah. which is very you know it can be quite interesting. I've I've used some fairly wordy ways of saying that Joe Bloggs was running along the platform and slipped, um, but you, I mean <laughs> wording that potentially as um, the 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 injured party ran at such a speed and tried to make such an angle of turn that the coefficient of drag between his shoe and the platform surface was inefficient to keep him bright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds phenomenal when you write it like that rather than just you fell over, some, mate. I think sometimes people read them and think, what's he on about? <laughs> I love that. That level of detail, I love it. Fair play to you. Um, so, yeah, I, <laughs> to answer the question, I would love to. I really would love to. Um, but I think it's a little way down the line yet, and there's a couple of bits of experience I'd probably like to get under my belt before I approach that. Well, that's fair enough. So, obviously, my podcast, as you know, is more about heritage railways. Um, so, I was going to ask you: Have you thought about volunteering for Heritage Railway? Is there anyone that you'd like to visit in particular? Um, I have or... To be fair, it's it hasn't been the right time in my life recently. Um, I've uh, the the day job is fairly time consuming. Um, sometimes I can imagine. Um, it, and to be fair, home life can be as well. Between between the work and the hobby. And the two-year-olds. Um, oh yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean there. I think no, I really would like to. Um, proximity one's a bit of an issue, where where I've lived in the past. Um, so I grew up in Teesside, and we've not really got that much round there. Uh, lived in Manchester for about ten years, so East Lancs would have been an option if the timing had been right. Uh, I'm currently near yep. York, so again, not not really too much right on the doorstep. North York Moors potentially, but it's a little way out the way for it. Um, but we shall see. It's definitely on the cards for the future. I'd love to love to do it, even if it's just going down and having a a look around and seeing if there's anything that does suit for me. 
I think I'd have to to switch around the day job a little bit before I had the uh, the brain space to do anything extra. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, because it's the same with me. Um, it's like I live forty five minutes from one of the railways I live at. Oh, <laughs> the live at. I wish I did. Um, forty five minutes from one of the heritage railways I volunteer at, and the other one's about two and a half hours away. So it is a case of you've really got to juggle everything, and then obviously. Having a kid, you've got to keep them happy. Having yeah. a partner, you've got to keep them happy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know. the, the favourite mm. one, that's, it's a challenging question because I do, for, for all, all the fact that my day-to-day life involves being around the big metal wheel things quite a bit, and you could almost imagine it would be, you might want some time off from the things when you're not working. I've never really been that way. Um, but favourites is a difficult one. The most recent one I've been to has actually been Keithley and Worth Valley, which is quite a nice, it's not a massive one at all, but it's a, uh, it's a really, really nice one. I stumbled across one of my favorite little things ever there um, at one of the stations. I can't oh, remember yeah. which one it is now for the life of me. There'll probably be somebody in Europe uh, listening to this going, it's there, it's there. Um, but they've got a, a pair of small museums called Railworks, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, and there's sort of an engine workshop there, but there's a carriage workshop as well. And they've got a few... Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a few carriages that have been used in filming for various things. But me and my... It's, oh, it's wow. fascinating in itself, but this there's one thing that really appealed to my absolute like nerdy sort of mindset was um, me, me and my other <laughs> half mate, for my, my first ever Father's Day. That was my treat, was to go to Keith Lee and Worth Valley. And, um, and we were walking into the, this carriage works place and I was uh, just sort of meandering a little bit they had a, a big wall full of signal box signs and junction signs and stuff like that and you know you just get sort of tied up staring at those and and um yeah you do. my other half sort of called me back from further down and said uh gonna want to go in that room and it's just a room off the off the carriage works and it was full of railway magazines and i'm not just talking a couple of these a couple of that going back to around about as far back as they they made railway magazines um, wow! And they were sort of all, all your, your sort of modern, current ones, your your modern railways, Railways Illustrated, and Rail, and things like that. But they had, yeah, the first editions of all of these, and going, going, it, and wow, they were all for sale. <laughs> Which was, I was like a kid in a candy shop, and I just, I, I bet I you were. So would I. There. I got left in there for about a good sort of forty <laughs> minutes, just sorting through them. And I left with five, um, and I would have left with a lot more if we hadn't had to get the the lovely steam train back to where the car was parked. Um, but no, I mean, from obviously my my as we've touched on previously, my morbid curiosity and interest meant that I I managed to get the the first editions of some of these magazines that were published after some of the the big accidents. Um, and that oh, was wow. because you're talking things that I got the one that was just after Create Heck, I got the one that was just after Southall, um, and a couple up there on a bookshelf at work. And I've left them, I've left them at work um, to keep them safe and away from two year old's hands. Um, so I can't quite remember yes. the top of my head. And I got the I got the, the Railways Illustrated from the month I was born, um, which had a uh, believe I had a class 91 on the front which might tell some people who's listening <laughs> how old I was um but that, I found that really great because I obviously I look I know about these things now and I've read the reports that sometimes come out years after in the full 
fullness of things. So the ones that have gone to full inquiries, you can be waiting years for this final answer for everything. Um, but it's interesting to go back and see what the, the reporting on the day was. So it's sort of the understanding of yes. heck the day after it happened, or it was been about a week after it happened when the magazine came out and they didn't really know just how ineffective a driver Gary Hart had been at that point and all, all the investigations hadn't gone and it's like um if you take yourselves back to last August where we're, we're, we're learning about um Carmont and that's all still very new that report hasn't come out yet and that's the first you know first fa passenger fatality for well it was 13 years I think 13 years 28 was it 28 days and 13 years, eight months and something days. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know I've quoted I've quoted it in the podcast um because it's such a significant figure. Yeah. Um so that was and it was it was unusual because the difference being there is when you go back to Grey Rig being the last one before that, and that was yeah, sort of news websites are available and BBC News twenty four was was on air, I think, at that point. So it was the first time when we've had all that regular news, but it's it's different to to me, stood on a station platform doing a visit with with somebody um, and getting a Twitter notification that this is happening now and understanding the significance of that. It was it was unusual to watch the thing unfold and be party to WhatsApp messages between people who've been sent photos from WhatsApp conversations from other people and knowing. A... Yeah, you've got a direct leak. That sounds horrible, but it's almost like a direct no, leak and, feed, and isn't you're it? Right. It's, it's not. I know what you mean, um, but I. I, I saw probably about an hour after it was breaking in the national media, I was sent from one person to another person to me to um, some photographs of what stuff was like on the ground. And as as someone who's in the industry and has an understanding of safety management systems and, and how all that works, to see those photographs of um, one carriage upside down and even just as simple as understanding what the livery of the Scott Rail HST looks like, being able to understand that yeah. that's a carriage on its roof or that's a carriage that's, and, and it was, it was quite, it threw everybody, I think. And um, there was a real outpouring, I think, of, of grief within the, the industry um, because it's not, yes, it was, there was. Uh, it's not only that, it's not the fact that it's just the first passenger one. It's we lost two of our, um, two of our own there for a start and, and mm -hmm. no one deserves to go to work and not come home in the morning. Um course not now no. the, the hashtag uh, railway family was trending for a while and that really brought the industry together with that um, and a facebook group was set up at the back end of that which has now got uh, railway workers from all over the world um in this this community all all together um because we're proud of doing what we do and doing it well and safely Oh, so it's like even in the heritage, in, even in the heritage industry, people that don't work on railways, um, they are filters on the Facebook. Was it T one oh eight hard? One one. Yeah, yeah, and they had all that as filters, and I thought that's you know they're actually yeah fair play I for doing that. One one tango zero eight, I think is that the head code. Um, I think it was. Uh, yeah. No, it, it no. May, I, my I, apologies I if it was. I'd have to briefly tap away at Google to just confirm it for my own. I think it was but that's that's that won't mean anything to to a lot of people who are a bit further away from the industry. Um but it's it was it was it was a really unusual time. Um so it was it was really sad that it 
that it happened and it was really sad that we lost people there and it was sad that we you know we lost a passenger and it has been it's been over a decade since we did that um the newspaper articles and web articles that was talking about the 10th anniversary of grey rig were still referring to margaret Maston as being the last person killed on the railways uh, yeah and yeah but it also that old crash as well um the latest one uh, it caused quite a lot of controversy as well didn't yes. it in the media because of certain newspapers putting out quite a horrific uh, headline, this, if you like. Then this, this is something that the industry as a whole, and in, in fact the real media, um, really picked up on. Um, is that I, I almost wonder whether the the national, normal media, secular media, if you will, um, whether they they don't yeah. really know how to report on train accidents anymore, um, because we're really really good at them not happening, um, but it's. It's frustrating to know what's going on and to know a little bit about it and see some of the stuff that's going out in the media. Um, things like running an article talking about how the train driver didn't slow down in bad weather. And, and everyone who works on the railway or has worked on the railway or has an understanding knows that a, a speed limit on a railway is not a speed limit. It's a maximum permissible speed. You're timetabled for that. You're expected to run at that unless you are explicitly told not to. So... So the yep. you know, poor driver of that Scott Rail train was told to work back, and he will have worked back at line speed because he hadn't been told. Not there'd been no reason not to. Um, and other things that even even on the day when I was sort of listening to the news media and they were talking about a, a locomotive at one end and something else at the other end, and you almost you want to sort of say, just reach out to the industry, and we'll tell you what you need. We'll we'll, under, we'll explain things to you. And we'll we'll make sure that what you're reporting is accurate because it's important. It's you know of course it is. is. It's significant, and it. I suppose in the, in the current situation, it was it was offset in a very developing COVID nineteen situation, so the media was quite inundated with other things already. So it might have even seen a bit more media interest had we not had that. But I almost feel like it would have been. It, it would have been good point. if they'd reached out more so and, and sort of asked for someone to explain things to them. Um, that because Yes, it, it would and, have and been. For, I, maybe I get a bit hit up in that because I am from the industry. Um, but And it might not mean anything to, to Joe Blogg sat on his sofa just watching news TV that it had a locomotive at both ends, but the media same one. But for me, it was... This is significant and it's important that it's reported right. <laughs> So, of course, I'd like to, I'd like I'd like for them very much to not get into the the practice of being able to report on train accidents um, very well. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with the situation where they need some very specialised help from the industry to to get the facts right. I don't want them to to be doing this once every couple of months and and be experts at it. Um, no, the, the absolute last thing I want. But it's it's just important. You know, if they didn't know anything about football, they'd get somebody on who could explain football to them. So this is it, isn't it? That's exactly it. You'd expect them to have somebody that would have um, written the report yeah. for them almost. We shall we shall see what goes on in the future with that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, moving yeah. away from that a little bit, then um, do, do you uh, do, do you 
because obviously your hobby is as well as is your podcasting. Do you have any hobbies aside from your <laughs> podcasting? Um, just to just to sort of deviate away from not not railways a little bit. Um, I, I I've always dabbled in computers um, and things like learning new computer software. And at the moment, that is very much guided by the podcast. Um, there's a, there's it, and it's been in different times. It's been what I've been interested in. So when when I was playing around with the idea of YouTube videos, I taught myself Blender, um, which is a, a CAD 3D design software, uh, an open source one that's very very powerful, but it's a bit of a pain in the bum to to learn. And I've always enjoyed I've always enjoyed sort of the challenge of sitting myself down and thinking, right, I want to know how to build that in that, um, and and try to follow yeah. that one through. I'm, I'd, I'd like to say I'm an energetic and athletic person who does a lot of sports, but I've started putting some videos on YouTube now so people know what I look like, so I can't get away with that one. <laughs> when I'm just an anonymous voice behind the microphone, I can tell you I'm sat here modelling my six-pack, but we both, we all know that's not true now. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's fantastic. So I, I was going to say, if you're not like got a model railway or anything like that, that you've thought you absolutely might. absolutely love to. Um, it's... It's a space issue, and I think that's the last couple of years. Life has changed a lot um, with with the arrival of of the tiny little fox. Um, thing, things that in the past would have been um, very much. You know, I'd, I'd love a model railway in my head. I'd love to make a an engage scale model of a particular station. Um, at one point, it was Huddersfield. I worked at Huddersfield at one point, and. Yeah, I thought it was a great, a great station. There's a nice little runoff of viaduct at one end. There's tunnels at the other end. It's almost built for a layout. Um, but then I got uh, the the wonderful news, and I must say, not disappointed news at all that I was going to be a dad. <laughs> um, but that, no, that no, very no. much altered life plans and and money for things like train sets. Um, rapidly became money for a big car and a bigger house and a pram, which quite honestly. Some of those cost more than my first and second cars did. <laughs> yes, I could not believe it when I walked into a shop and I went, I mean, the, the worst how was... much? That's worth more than my car. That's yeah, worth no, both I, my I, cars I, I, combined. I, I, my first car was a, was a Nissan Almira. It was 750 quid and the thing was a death trap, but I loved it because it's my freedom and it's very cliche, but it was. But I, could, I couldn't have even got a travel set with some brands for that. <laughs> I could have got a buggy and that was it. I think so, some of the Silver Cross ones were, oh, it's really good. You walk in and they sort of have these deals on and they try to tell you it's a really good deal. And I think, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I know what you're trying to do, but it's not. I know, I know. Um, so, yeah, so all, I, saw, I walked into to Mama and Papa's for the first time and saw all my train set money disappearing out from, <laughs> from the back of me. Um, and... I think in the in the future, yes, I, I definitely will at some point because it's always been a. I, I, I did have I had, when I was a kid. I had a lovely, I think as everybody did. I had a Hornby double O gauge loop with a siding. Everyone, everyone listening, to this can picture your Hornby double O loop with a siding with an Intercity. I want to say two two five little set three carriages. Um, I couldn't have that now. That's the problem with growing up. You know that you can't just have three carriages. That's not good enough. <laughs> You know, they, they sell these starter sets and nope. you think, yeah, but that's an 11 carriage train. What? I need to buy the other ones. <laughs> and, I, and I will still do it. I'll still go on to them. Because it would be engaged, to be fair now, just for the, the sheer more more space, more track sort of 
you can build a big scene out of it. Um, yeah. But I'll still get myself onto the United Backman website or whoever whoever owns Graham Farish now. I can't remember. And and I think is it is it Batman now? It's yeah, Batman so as well. I think. think oh, that looks. I nice. think oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, there's three figures there. That's a bit uh, a bit daunting. <laughs> <laughs> what I love as well, and I shouldn't say this because my partner might listen to this at some point. Is um, I love that some model shops, if you pay like. I think it's like a pound extra. They'll actually put a price on the receipt of what you've said to them. It costs. That is genius. I like that. I'll uh... now. I've only got to do. I've got to figure out where I can expense it to be company credit card, and I think we're in business. <laughs> oh, even and, better. And just in case anybody at the company I work for, who I won't name, is listening to this, I must state for legal reasons that was absolutely a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reenacting yeah. crashes, honest. It's crash <laughs> investigation, this is. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant stuff. I take it you watch um, model rail uh, oh, yeah, things on I've, YouTube then and all that. Um, I've, I've actually managed to, 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 to somehow um, make Maisie, my daughter, loves trains. Uh, I don't know how I've managed it. It's probably something to do with the copious amount of trains stuff that I'm always doing. Um, but she's quite happy now. If, we, if we're out in the car and I want to stop and have a look at something, we live quite close to the East Coast main line. So she's quite happy to wave at a train, which is nice. Um, and she she will ask yep. sometimes for me to put um, YouTube on the television and have trains go by, which is adorable because she'll go, oh, choo-choo, choo-choo, and bye-bye, choo-choo, as they go past. And I think, Oh, Bloody hell, I've started it early. What have I done? <laughs> she's she's doomed to the sort of thing I've done as a child and an adult. <laughs> My lad's the same. My lad is exactly the same. He really is. It's um, he's a little bit older than your daughter, so now he's discovered a thing called Monster oh, Jam, which is monster truck racing. And I'm trying to pull him <laughs> back into Thomas a little bit. It's like, no, watch. Watch I've, the classic never, Thomas. Never, it's not, amazing. I'm not getting into things like <laughs> Thomas yet or train TV programs, but I can have, if I can get her watching, um, you know, Intercities on the uh, on the YouTube, then that's something. That's <laughs> I've got her moving in the right direction. <laughs> so, does your does your locomotive um, interests lie in modern or eighties or steam? You know, if if you had to have. Yeah, yeah. You know, you went to a railway and you could pick any locomotive you that want. Is what would you an have? Incredibly challenging question. Um, I mean, in, no, no. I like it's a, it's a great I like one. picking I, these. Um, so my, I, I feel like I, somehow, as I am in the world of music, I tend to sort of land around about the eighties, um, and I'm probably not a million miles off that in terms of if I was to pick some traction. Um, I love steam. I absolutely love the the smell. I love the 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 sheer mechanical magic that means that big lumps of metal and boiling water can do that. And and I think that is amazing. Yes. But for some reason, I've always got sort of I don't know if I had if I had to pick a loco for some reason, I'd go an eighty six or an eighty seven. Don't know why. Just something about them I really like. Um. It's for me. It's the thirty-seven. I'm a massive thirty-seven the, the fan. The good thing about them is they just they just look like they're a proper machine, but they're still knocking about even now. 
Yes. And they, yes, they're not they shy are. about it either. And that nice little racket as they come through. <laughs> this is true. Do you know what I've actually got a real soft spot for? And people look at me really weird when I say this. I've got a real soft spot See, for the 66 as well. I do and I don't. And and I almost feel like I shouldn't. But um, I don't I don't know if it's just because there's, <laughs> there's so it's almost it's almost like your favourite car being a Vauxhall Corsa. Because they're everywhere. And and they're not that special. They do what you need them to do. You want to go to the shop, you get in, you go to the shop, you're done. So if you want to move some some empty coaching stock around for one reason, it'll do that for you. If you want to move sixteen hundred tons of aggregate from that place to that place, jobs are good in. But you just drive past somewhere like Scunthorpe Steelworks or um, any one of the you know down by Crew. I can't remember what the depot's called now, but you, they're everywhere. But they are they're nice. They're not bad for it. You yeah. just feel like you shouldn't because they're everywhere. <laughs> I must admit, I, I, I'm sorry, I had a little sketch in my head then of uh, <laughs> in the car. I'm just going to Tesco and just driving across the and that, that just brings back images of the old um, City advert with the 37 done up as a police train. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's cracking advert, that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I'd love to you know, know they've done that, but fair play. They just did it. <laughs> I think they genuinely got a bit of tracking. Um, you've seen, this seen the, the old British Rail advert, and I cannot remember the name of it, life of me, but it's the one which has got this um, wonderful sweeping shots. Nightmare. Um, the 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 old poem about the nightmare train going up. Um, here comes a nightmare crossing the border, taking the check and the postal order, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's an old film that they did. Um, so that that's I no, haven't. That's way back when um, they did. Uh, W.H. Auden did a poem, um, and someone's probably screaming, I forgot that name wrong, um, did a poem about the nightmare, and that poem was <laughs> turned into a film. But we're talking black and white, dead old sort of... But it was, it was about the train doing it. And then in the 80s, I want to say, British Rail took that concept and adapted it into a, um, a TV advert advertising British Rail, but Britain's Railways. Um, and it was brilliant, but they've got sweeping shots of what what, what nowadays would be the CGI or a drone shot of panning round in front of a train as it passes and things like that. And you think, no, and they did that, just flew a helicopter in front of a train and filmed it. But if you if you haven't seen it, I really would recommend it. It's wow. on YouTube, and it's it's a bit you won't even now you get a little bit proud of that because it feels like oh this is this is ooh get motivated and very inspirational sort of sound to it. It's a... Yes. But you know what? I'll link that in the description. I think the guys who did the, the music was the same people who did Chariots of Fire. Is it Van, Vangelis or Vangelis? I can't... I'm going to mispronounce it horrifically and people will uh, will not be happy, but it is. It, yeah. I'm not yes, even so going to try it. I know the song Chariots of Fire, but I'm not even going to try it and say so it. If you, if you can't find it, message me and I'll send you the link to it because it, it is. <sighs> but it's this, this, this fine example of, <laughs> eh, it is something we should be proud of, but let's just film it. And nowadays it would all be CGI, it would be drones. And this is just, it must just be filmed. I love that, fair dues. Fair dues. So I've got a very strange question to ask. I ask it to everybody. Um, but with you not working on a heritage right. railway, it might be a bit of an odd one. Have you got any uh, amusing stories from 
um, your I, your I, life I, on the railway. I've got plenty you're allowed to tell for my life on the railway, but because I still work for the company where I heard them all, I can That's fair if enough. I move on, ask me again. Um, I might I might have a couple then. <laughs> No, no, no fair fine, right. sorry, I, I asked that to, to be honest with you, to be fair. but uh, sadly not. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Oh, well, I can understand it to be fair. Although, I can absolutely to be understand fair, it. Probably what I so, so I um, without naming the company that I work for, I I used to work in a station that had two cats, and it's not massively a secret who I work for. I just I tend to avoid saying it because of social media policies and things like that. Um, <laughs> No, but, no, that's um, fine. That's why I've kept it. Out. I I once agreed to do a television interview because we had some cats at the station I worked for, and these cats had a bit of a well, it was just one cat at that point, and had a bit of fame for various reasons. Um, this was around about the time for the World Cup, um, a couple of years back, and uh, and I think it was a it was either a Danish or a Dutch yeah. TV program had come to interview the cat. Um. Is the do you remember when an okay. was picking winning teams in the World Cup? So they'd have two two balls of food, two bits of food, and the octopus yes. one, and that was who was going to win. Well, this yeah, this particular yes. cat um, was selecting from two food balls for the World Cup to see who would win, and it, it got a little bit of media attention because um, the cat generally had a bit of media attention, and I ended up um, agreeing because no one else was available to do a bit of an interview with foreign TV. And I expected it to be an interview about the cat, because I worked with the cat, which is an unusual sentence in itself. Um, and then I really quickly realised, very shortly into the interview, um, that what they actually wanted to talk about was football. Um, and asking oh. me to talk about football is like asking me to do a podcast on the Powerpuff Girls. I really just don't know much about it. <laughs> so <laughs> so she very confused me. And, and and I've never seen it. And I don't know whether they aired it, but there might just be some footage of me somewhere in either Sweden, Holland or Denmark, whenever this company was from. And they went, oh, this man does not know much about football. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, that'd be like me if someone asked me about yeah, football. I, I wouldn't I have a clue severely, where to start. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> thought it was going to be more like, so where does the cat sleep? Um, no, no, I, I don't. What's the offside rule again? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's proper tickle me, that. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Sorry. That, that that is brilliant. Oh, <laughs> hats off on that one. That's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, to, to sort of right, yeah. you know just draw things to a close a little bit. Um, please <laughs> promote yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll leave everything in the description below. So, sell myself like. A... <laughs> but just a... Um. So, so me personally, I'm a little yourself. Guy. It's probably me in the podcast. Um, if <laughs> that's the one, yeah. Sorry, that's that's a better. Yeah, yeah. Promote your podcast, so, uh, the podcast and where people can find you. Signals to danger, and it is um, a bi-weekly podcast where we pick apart an, an individual incident every week. So the most recent one was Greyrig, and the next one is going to be Lockington from 1986. So depending on when this episode comes out, that will either be the most recent one or the next one because that one's coming out on. Monday coming. Um, if you are interested, 
you can find it on all major podcast providers. Um, or if you can't find one of them and you just want to stream it by the internet, you can go to signalstodanger.com. Almost sounds like I've done that before. Brilliant. <laughs> mm, maybe once or twice, I think. <laughs> but all I can say is, Dan, is thank you so much for coming on as a guest. Um, it, I know it's sad, I know I said at the beginning of the podcast, but you have been the inspiration for me starting mine. Along with uh, obviously no, Ben, but I can't say too much on that one. You understand? To yours, so. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. It means quite a lot. Now, before you go, there's three very important Some questions I have to ask. Okay. So these are quick fire questions. So, question one: Black coffee. What's your favourite beverage? Um, Pilsner. Alcoholic. Pilsner Urquil if I had to pick a brand. Oh, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. Now, this <laughs> is probably the most British question you've ever asked, been asked in your life. Um, oh, What's your favourite pie? Difficult one. I mean, I'm presuming you mean a proper pie, a meat pie. So it's going to be... Uh... It, well, it no, could be sweet, savoury, pasty, whichever you like. You can't go far wrong with a, a tipsy steak pie. Oh, I don't know, you know, a peppered steak is probably quite close to no, that, I'm you know. Gonna, I'm going to quick fire around. I'll stick with my steak and ale. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, I'm picking up a question here from that you said earlier that um, on music, because <laughs> 80s was the best era of music, let's be honest. Oh, and... and What's your favourite group or band? Is almost categorically impossible for me to answer, and it depends on the week. Um, <laughs> oh, that's virtually impossible. Um, I'm going to go ahead and can I plead the Fifth Amendment in the UK? I don't think I probably can. Um, oh, Duran Duran's name your top right three there. then. Um, I'm a big fan of oh, Deep Purple. Um, that's growing up, Deep Purple, and yes, good choice. I had to pick a third one. I won't, because that's I'm already, I'm already pushing myself out too much there. <laughs> it's it is it, it is a, I think there's an issue with growing up with my dad and listening to vinyls in the back bedroom and then developing my own tastes over the years and just the Spotify era where you can one one week I'll be listening to Nick Kershaw's The Riddle on a loop again and again and again and the next week I'll be listening to a progressive metal band from an album that came out three weeks ago. <laughs> it's it, Eclectic is a really good yep, word. Sounds like me, really. Yes, you're exactly the same as me. I'll be listening to like some <laughs> form of folk band from from Germany, and the next yeah. week I'll be listening like, to well, black metal from an Norway. From a hurdy gurdy to an electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like you've got it in one. You've got it in one. <laughs> So anyway, again, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. No, absolutely. Hopefully we'll get the chance to speak again. It has been a pleasure to do it as well. So it's uh, very much enjoyed. Brilliant. Well, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Stay safe and take care of yourselves. So a big, big, big thank you there to Dan Fox. 
It was fantastic to speak to him. As I said, please go and check out his podcast, Signals to Danger. It is phenomenal, and I cannot thank him enough for taking the time to speak to me. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode. My next episode, I'm also looking forward to, we've got another special guest, and that's Corwin from Railway Mania. So stay tuned, stay safe, and I'll see everybody soon. Bye-bye.